just so you know, Bill, if we're ever on Half Dome and you jump, yeah. I'm not jumping after you. Why am I going first? <laughs> I don't know. It's just the way it worked out. <laughs> Welcome to episode 94. We need some more people on the, on the show if we're going to get to 1,000 by the end of the... Thing. We're going to get there. We're, we are going to get there. It is, it, is, it, is going, it is going to happen. It is going to happen. I have, I have faith. Uh, so it is episode 94. It's Tuesday morning. Early. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but we're up for you people. And uh, it's episode 94 of On Taking Pictures, the best damn photography podcast, period. Can I say that? Is that a quote? I don't know. It is now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My name is Jeffrey Sidoris from fadedandblurred.com, the best damn photo inspiration site, period. And uh, with me is Bill Wadman, a photographer. (laughs) <laughs> that'll do you see what i did there yeah <laughs> you turned the fancy around on me what look at that you stole my fancy and stuck it on your own shirt i like that <laughs> hey uh you you were you were really fancy over over the weekend you want to you want to talk about that a little bit yeah you, you you went all analog oh god did i yeah. so this is this is an interesting experiment to me. Uh, so, for me so, or in general, uh, both. Okay, both. Uh, so I mean, I, I I alluded to it a little bit um, the past couple weeks. So what I did was a friend of mine has a studio in Manhattan, has a couple of eight by ten cameras, um, and used to shoot that stuff. Used to shoot uh, commercial work uh, on an eight by ten, you know, still lifes, that kind of stuff. Okay, first of all, how much of a badass do you have to be to have a couple 8x10 cameras? Yeah, one's a Cinar big giant rail camera, and then one is a Deerdorf old 8x10. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. cool. Yeah. So <laughs> so he had these cameras like sitting in the closet. He hasn't used them in like eight years because people haven't used those in a while. Yeah, at least <laughs> Because <commercially>. film. <laughs> yeah, because film. Yeah. And um, – so I years last year I met him and I helped him build a Hackintosh and you know we became friends and I said you know you've got it. he's shown the eight by ten stuff and I was like oh man we should we should just get some people in here and shoot some portraits one day and then he was like oh yeah that's a great idea and then it, we just the idea sort of fizzled or just didn't go anywhere we just never got around to it and then uh, you know a few weeks ago when that that friend of mine passed away I, I was just kind of like you know what life is way too short like I want to shoot the eight by ten so I gave him a call. I said, "Hey, Alex, let's 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 do that eight by ten thing." He's like, "Oh yeah, sure." So we booked it. We booked a date a few weeks out, and I went and I bought um, a, a box of Ilford HP five, which is four hundred speed eight by ten black and white right, film. Right, nice and punchy. Yeah, yep. and um, and he bought. Oh, what did he bring? Ilford some one twenty five speed. I forget the I forget the code on his. What the name, the the model. Uh, anyway, uh, F is it FP four? It could be. Yeah, it, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so he was shooting one twenty five speed <clears throat> FP four at at ISO fifty. Mm. So he was he was pulling it a stop. Yeah. <clears throat> so I, you know, because that's what he wanted to do, you know, and I think he was going to he was going to process it in pyro or you know all this kind of fancy heavy stuff. Um, 
me, I just wanted to try shooting it. So anyway, so we get to the studio. I have a bunch of people showing up. I've set up, uh, I think, 11 or 12 people to come over the course of like four or five hours. And no, um, uh, can, may, may I ask a question? Sure, sure of course. Was, how did, did you approach the setup any differently uh, other than obviously using using a large format film camera? Do, do you do you light differently for this type of a of a of a shoot, or or are you able to do, do you shoot kind of light the way you would normally light it? What's uh, different? Okay, um, we shot mostly. He had a big seven foot or so Ellen Chrome Octa. Okay. That, so, that, so this is, this is bigger right off the bat. This is bigger and, and different than what you would normally use in yeah, your, in your work th- for me. Yes. Although, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing stopping me from using that for my thing or us of for using something smaller. You sure. Know, I mean, there was no need to do that, but it, that's what he had set up without the front panel on it. So it ended up being it almost kind of looks it has a similar look to like one of the the big para reflectors when it's all the way open because it's sort of it's shiny you know and it kind of comes from the corners because it Sil- it's a right silver in. interior yeah yeah okay um so he had that set up and you know we he had, we had a bunch of lights set up but mostly the difference in the lighting comes down to power so when he was shooting at f uh he he was shooting at ISO fifty at f sixteen. Which meant that we needed, you know, you need a lot more juice, especially mm-hmm. into an, a big octa like that. So, so that was the main difference, right? And he had he had the, a couple lights set up, and we set up a couple more. We had one in the background. We had one as sort of a rim light at times, um, but we wanted to keep it simple because we had so many people to shoot that it wasn't. We weren't sitting around designing right. a new lighting setup right. for each person, you know. But I guess the, the what I'm trying to get to is this is in addition to the camera itself that that scales sort of exponentially. You're not doing this with speed lights. No, 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 right. no, no, no. Right. Big, so you've got to have the packs. supporting gear to to light this stuff. Yeah, exactly. And okay. you know, it's interesting too is that we were flip flopping, right? We were kind of tag team. So. I would shoot a couple frames of somebody and then I'd hand it off to him and he'd shoot a couple frames of the same person. But because he's shooting 50 and I'm shooting 400, there's a three stop difference between the light. Mm-hmm. So every time mm-hmm. that he came up to it, we'd have to add three stops or remove three stops when I came up. Sure. Um, now that's, that's just assuming just straight shooting. You also have to take into the fact that there's a bellows factor, right? So uh, lenses, when you shoot, um, large format the 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 distance of the bellows from the front to the back uh changes the exposure because light sort of gets lost it gets it gets softer because the the light has further to go and it gets bigger as it as it reaches the back of the camera so the further you pull back the less of the actual imaging light that comes through the lens is actually hitting the film does that make sense mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay so we had to you have to compensate for that by measuring and adding a stop and a half or two stops so there's all kinds of like light math that's going on all the time and every time we switch something up it'll be like oh wait we switched this lens and we had a bellows factor of two stops but now we're switching to you so we need three stops added but then you're focusing a little less so we really need two and a quarter stops added right, you know, right. i mean it just becomes this thing you know and you can't measure the bellows factor with a meter right well you could meter it but then you have to add the bellows factor in he has a a p25 plus back like an old hasselblad uh medium format back that he can stick on the back of the eight by ten to take a picture Um, oh wow just to get kind of a sketch image so we can we can we can see i mean it just gives you a chunk of what you would normally see because it's only like you know a two inch by two inch section of the eight by ten on the back but if you're just looking for exposure 
it'll 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 tell you if you're in the ballpark. Hmm. But taking that on and putting it off takes a couple of minutes, so you don't want to do it every time. So most of the time, you're just trying to do the math and be smart about it. It's definitely not the kind of thing where if you don't really understand how cameras work and how exposure works and how light works, you're going to be in a world of hurt. You know, it's, mm. it's really there's a lot going on. So you have all that technical stuff going on on top of dealing with the subject and moving the camera around. Of course, he's got it on this one of these giant, you know, four thousand dollar camera stands that's got like a. Wheels and turns and it slides. Oh, right. You know one like, of those it's things. One of the XY. Yes. Yeah. XY axis stands. And it's yeah. amazing. You know, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. loosen this and you turn this and it turns on this axis and you know, it was one of those like real nice scenar cameras. And he had these crazy old lenses that we actually ended up sort of uh sort of gaff taping to the front of the camera because there's like the mounts don't exist anymore to you know hook them up. Wow. Um, so it, it was a great experience. It was super fun. Um, it was exhausting. You know, I shot 25 frames and I, by the end of the day, I was just spent like mentally and physically. I was just exhausted. So really it, it took you guys all day to shoot 50 pictures. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, and then there's Neat. the time, of course, when he had to load the holders in the closet and we had to tape him into the closet because mm. it had, you know, every single crack had to be covered. Sure. You know? Um, so anyway, we, we t- take the pictures. That was great fun. And then I dropped them off yesterday morning before a shoot that I had uh, to get processed. And then it's another, I think, $6 a slice. So it was $160 with tax to get the 25 processed. Um, and so I, I, I was terrified. I left, I left, went to my shoot, and I was waiting for them to get the call to go pick it up. Because, you know, it could have all been for naught, right? I could have sure. spent all that time and we screwed up our math or we did something really dumb. Um, but they all came out. Uh, Good. And then, are you, now, are you gonna are you gonna do like a little a little gallery on the site of all of them? Or are you gonna yeah, dole them I'm out gonna, one at a time? What are you gonna do? Well, here's the thing. Um, I I just got negatives, right? I didn't get prints done because the prints would have been another ten dollars a piece, and I'm not spending another two hundred fifty dollars on on prints. Right. Um, so so I'm scanning them on my flatbed. Now this is just such a pain in the pain in the butt. Um. Because you can't, you can't, you if you put the if you put the film straight down on the glass, you'll almost certainly get Newton's rings, right? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where where the you know the emulsion hits the glass, and you get those weird interference patterns. If you and on top of that, the the, the uh, scanners, these flatbed scanners, when they're shooting film, are sort of designed to have the film above the platen, so they're you know what I mean. They're supposed to be right. a little space because they're supposed to be in a holder, but there's no holder for eight by ten film because it's just too big; it'll sag too much in the middle. So uh, you have to come up with some other way to do it. Now, a lot of people use anti-Newton ring glass, which you can buy for like 150 bucks for a sheet that basically you can, you can tape the negative to, 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 and then stick it in the scanner suspended, like lifted up a little bit off the glass so that it's mm-hmm, sort of mm-hmm. like the negatives hanging. Right. But this stuff, I'm not spending another 150. I'm doing this once. You know what I mean? I don't need right. that piece of glass just for whatever. Sure. So I bought um, a couple, uh, three pieces of eight by ten anti anti glare plexi, mm-hmm. and I'm using like, that like that you would use in a frame type thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, I bought it at Home Depot. You know, six dollars a piece, and that's better than plain glass. But I still was getting Newton rings if it actually was touching the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So what I ended up, I spent like hours last night trying to get this right because it's very slow going. Um, and I finally, the way I figured out how to do it was to tape 
the uh, negative to the to the plexi, and then turn it over so it's 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 the 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 platen space the negative the plexi sort of in that sort of sandwich thing, right? But you've got you've got emulsion up instead of emulsion down. Yeah, well, that's okay. the other thing, right? Because you can always flip it later in post, so you don't have sure. to get it right for whatever. But but yeah, I've tried both, and it, I can't seem to find a way that actually makes it easier. I'm still getting Newton rings on some of them, and then some of them are great, so it's sort of a fight. But I will say, I scanned a couple of these at uh, 1,200 DPI, mm-hmm. right? Which is, I think my scanner can go up to 4,800. Uh, 4,800 physical. Yeah. So yeah, it's not optical. interpolated. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, at 1200, I'm getting a 130 megapixel image. Hmm. So, I mean, hmm. these files are huge. Right. Right. And incredibly detailed and they're beautiful, but there's dust on them and there's, you know, like little crackly things and you yeah. have to go in there and clean them up like you always would with film. But it's just, imagine doing it on a 35 millimeter frame and then multiply that by the 80 times that it is the size yeah, of this yeah. negative. It's, it's daunting amounts of work. There's, yeah. And then imagine you're, you're sitting there with a brush and a can of, you know, a bottle of, of, yeah. of spot tone yeah. and having to, to mix the correct gray values. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I will tell you though, that I, I'm, I'm seriously considering sending the negatives over to uh scan cafe. Mm-hmm. Cause for $6 a piece, they'll do, 2400 dpi scans yeah that's a no-brainer it's it's worth six dollars i mean you can go get a cup of coffee and not have to fight it but you know six dollars plus all the rest of it ends up being 180 bucks to get these scanned you know so it's not it's not pocket change right and i have to wait 10 days or two weeks or whatever um so what i think i might do is do decent scans just to show people the work and then i'll send them off for sort of the final scans yeah um it'll still be cheaper than getting prints done anyway all in all a a Wonderful experience in the sense that it's as old school as you could possibly get within reason now, you know. Sure. Um, but yeah, unless unless you go to Collodion, right. that's that's about as far back as you're going to go, or Ambrotype or something. But do I want to do this all day? Does it make me want to buy an eight by ten? Absolutely not. It is. I I, I you know what? There is I wish so I much there. overhead. I think it been fascinating. Oh, it's great. It's just you know, there's just so much overhead. So little of the process is actually about the picture you're taking mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and it's just so much stuff before and after preparation. And this is just, you know, and this is using negatives out of a box and having somebody else do my processing. Right. And it's still, but you have, you have multiplicities of, of physicality, mm-hmm. right? You've, you've, you've got yeah. a physical negative. You've got, you will end up with a physical print yep. and there, there is something and we've talked about this before, uh, uh, remarkable about a physical piece of art. Yeah. It, it, and, and you know what? It, it does feel like magic, right? Yes. The fact that I went and picked these up and I opened the box and here are the 25 pictures I took. You sure. Know, and, and, and they're going to be somewhere. Yep. They're going to be somewhere. And, you know, as I was making, I've, I've been working on a project for my, for my father. I'm finding photographs and I'm finding photographs in places where there shouldn't be photographs. I'm happening upon photographs. Yeah. Right. And that, that discovery process is something that you will never, ever, ever experience digitally. True. You won't just happen upon digital photographs. 
like the like like they're finding not just going to be sitting in a drawer, right? No, no, you have to physically look for them. And it, it there's there was a uh, uh, a video of Dennis Hopper, who, for those of you who don't know, Dennis Hopper, in addition to being a pretty remarkable actor, was an artist, a collector, a photographer, and he said something in the video that kind of stuck with me. He said that we're we're just custodians of art. That even as a collector, his his job was just to to uh, keep these pieces safe for and future ha- generations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For future generations, he yeah. was just a custodian to pass these down so that so that everyone can enjoy these. Yeah, you know. Now, granted, he uh, you know he he bought uh, Andy Warhol's very first soup can painting for seventy five dollars. Right. Which later sold for sixteen million or whatever right. it was, uh, and you know, you, 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 there this video he's going through. It's good to be Dennis Hopper. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but he, you know, he says when 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 his contemporaries were were jetting all over and out out partying, he was a gallery bum, and he was getting to know people like Basquiat and Julian Schnabel, and and you know this this whole movement of artists, and he started. He started uh, collecting things that he liked, or or collecting those people he whom, whom he believed in, right? As as creators, as contributors, and I found it really fascinating, you know. And and in in a, in a similar way, you're you're creating something that actually exists. It's not just a bunch of photons and electrons bouncing around somewhere. These are things that have mass and weight and volume. Yeah, and there's an importance to that. There I think. is, but. Uh- but at the same time, I don't think that we're never going to go back to that. No. In photography. You know what I mean? No. Like, yeah, there will be people who do it, but it's not like the entire industry is going to go back to physical stuff, you know? No, but I, I think there is uh, I think there is a need for the printed photograph. Okay. I, well, I, there, I, I agree. You know. And you know what? In, in some ways, Hopper's custodian idea, right? Mm-hmm. The custodian ideal – <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, hey, there's a great title. Well, write it down. <laughs> um, the I, I think that, that that fits somewhat into my philosophy I've spoken a few times where I feel like our job is just to add to the larger collection of art that people before us have made and the people after us will add to the wall too. You know what I mean? Sure. That, that, that I'm I'm just I'm just on this line of continuum. I don't think I'm starting from scratch. You know what I mean? No, um, no. And, but that's the thing is, is, you know, art, art is not created, enjoyed, shared, etc. in a vacuum. Right. It is, it is a, it is, it is itself a collaborative experience, especially in a, in a museum or in a gallery. Sure. Um, you know, there, there, there's that wonderful scene in, in LA story where, where they're in the museum and Steve Martin is commenting, you know, on the, on the painting that's mm-hmm. on the wall. He's like, Oh, they're, they're almost, it's almost vulgar. You know what they, you know, and he's totally describing something completely off the wall. Uh, but speaking to it with such authority that people are just kind of, what, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and, and it's funny because you do get that. You get that, Oh, there, it, this represents this and this and this. And then you get Pollock on the other side of the fence going, you know, it's just a painting. Right. Yeah. I don't know what it means. It's just a paint. I just painted it. Yeah. And I think that, I think that a lot of artists, when it comes down to it, when somebody talks about their stuff, they don't, 
you know, there's a lot of people I know who can talk a good game about the things they make and they can use all the right buzzwords. Sure. But if you really got them in a room and they had a couple of drinks in them, they'd be like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm just making stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. which, which is it, which is, which is to me the only honest answer. Mm-hmm. Anything okay. else is putting layers of BS on top of something that doesn't need explanation. I, you know, I don't know that I agree with that as a blanket statement. I th- I think there, there, there are artists, writers, painters, actors that, that infuse their art with life experience or with some sort of, of course, but everyone ex- puts every, you know, infuses everything they do with their life experience. That's but there, but there, I think there's right? meaning behind it. I don't, I don't think all of it is just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just, I just did it. Well, j- no, just because, just because you don't feel the need to explain it doesn't mean that there's nothing in there. It's just that explaining it's not going to add anything. And, and what you were trying to do in the first place was to explain what's in your head. And that's what the art was in the first place. Mm-hmm. So anything on top of that is just like this meta thing that doesn't really is, 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 is sort of like, oh, I already explained it. That, that's what we're talking about here. Like, look at the thing, look at the painting. It's, this is, this is it, you know? Yeah. I, I, I still think context, I, I, I can't, I can't sign off on that. I still think that context helps. And I, okay. I go back to, to my, uh, appreciation for Pollock's work. I, I had seen the, the paintings for years, but it wasn't until I saw Ed Harris's portrayal of him and saw the context of his life that I, that I got what he was trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. That, that aha moment. One of the great scenes in, in, in modern film, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, you know, it, I, I do think that context helps. Um, and I, I, next shared something, uh, in the hangout last week, uh, this New York times project called one in 8 million, um, which won an Emmy. And it's, it's this series of, uh, photo galleries that have, uh, an, an audio narrative mm-hmm. over the top it. of them. Yep. And that narrative adds so much to the viewing experience to me. Maybe it doesn't for everyone else, but for me, it adds, there's a, it adds a, a, a visceralness to the viewing experience that I think would be, would be lost without it. And it, 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 it gives the photos uh, a little more urgency and a little more impact to me, in some cases a lot more when you hear the stories behind them, sure. um, than just looking at them. Yeah, but, the, so. but those are almost documentary things. Those aren't, that's, that's almost recording reality versus, you know, like, mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. course the picture of the, you know, doll on the ground means more if it was taken in Kosovo during the war, you know. Um, but I see that more as, is, is telling a story rather than making something that is, that is telling a story, a true story rather than making something out of, you know, for, for the sake of just creating, you know what I mean? Okay. So literal, maybe a literal versus conceptual. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know. Fair enough. What, uh, uh, what else we got? Hey, uh, real quick, Bill, there, there, you're never going to do anything amazing with your life. Uh, okay. 
Hey, uh, so <laughs> doing this show is really great. Seven, seven reasons. I read this thing. This, it's seven reasons why you will never do anything amazing with your life. And, you know, we'll put this. a link in the show notes. Uh, uh, Raymar, Raymar Tirado wrote this. And I, I don't agree with all of it, but I think there's some interesting things here to unpack. Uh, he says, uh, yeah, that's right. You heard me. I'm talking to you. I'm calling you out. Um, uh, I'm talking about street skills. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, the slack off class, smoke weed, drink and party graduate skill set. Your $50,000 diploma has led you to believe you have. Um, he's talking about what, what skills, uh, and, and there's some interesting things in here. Number one is because you haven't failed enough. Because you're comfortable in your mediocrity, because you choose not to try. And uh, this one speaks to me personally uh, very loudly, too loudly in, in, in some cases, that I, I don't leap. I look a lot, but I don't leap. Right. And, I, and, and I'm trying to, to, uh, to get better about that. Uh, number two, because you care what others think about you. Because you have to fit in. Because you believe that being different is only cool if you're different in the same way that other people are different. Uh, what do you think of that? No? Yeah? No, I think these are interesting, but I think that, I mean, these things are partially true of everybody, right? Uh, sure, sure. Like no uh, one number, does all of these things. No. Uh, number three, because you think you're smarter than you are. Sure. Because you did what everybody else did. You studied what they studied. You read what they read because you learned what you had to learn in order to pass their tests. And you think that makes you smart. But the next one is because you don't read. So he's basically saying, you think you're smart because you read all this stuff. And the next one is, you don't read enough of all the other stuff that people have made. But maybe it's not, it's, it's reading what, what interests you. I heard a statistic several years ago that said the, the average adult will read one book for pleasure for the remainder of their lives once they graduate high school. Yeah, sure. Which is staggering to me. Uh, and there's the people like Conrad who read 600 books a year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because you lack, number five, because you lack curiosity. Right. Because you get your news from copycat members of the state controlled media. That's a little little communist, but OK. Uh, but you're un, you're unwilling to ask the simple question. What if it's all a lie and accept the possibility that maybe it is that just maybe the methods of mass media are under direct orders to keep you distracted. distracted Again, from what for who? Uh, number six, because you don't ask enough questions. Uh, and number seven, because you can't handle the truth because <laughs> you refuse to admit that you don't even know the things you don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, I just thought it was kind of interesting. A, a couple of the things on there, I, I went, eh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I do that or I don't do that. Sure. And I, yeah, sure. These are all true, but I don't think this is, uh, mm, I don't know that this guy is telling us anything that other people haven't said before. No, but, but maybe, maybe hearing it either again or in the way that he's presenting it, a light switch clicks and, and, and that's enough to, to, to kick your butt. Maybe, but you know what? I I always go back to the whole, uh, you know, books, you know, 10 ways you can improve your life. It's like, you know what? The people who wrote those books never needed a book that was about 10 ways to improve your life. They were just doing it. You know, if you feel the need to read about a billion ways to make your life better, then I feel like you're missing something else. Right. Uh, I don't because like, it's not all about it's not all about top 10 lists or seven reasons why. Then, then why go to therapy? 
Why tell? Why why sit there and oh, pay somebody? Work, to, you know, working on working on your own therapeutic stuff. That's one thing. But I'm just saying that, like, if 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 you're actively looking for ways, I, most people who are in therapy, they know ultimately what their hangups are. It's about getting over their hangups. Where this is basically saying, uh, uh, you know. Here are all your here here are the hangups you could possibly have, and it's like yeah, we all know the hangups everyone could possibly have, but that doesn't help you in do. overcoming them. I don't think we all do. Okay, I I, I, I I don't I I mean if we if you knew it, then why wouldn't you take more action to? Well, because that well that's 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 where the the hard part comes. Mm-hmm. Knowing that you're stuck is step one. Getting out of the stuck is step two. Right, right. Um, uh, but, put it in the show notes. I, I'll, I, it's already in the show notes. Is it? Yeah, I just put it in. The, it's not in uh, the uh, things, but it's in the. It's uh, would the you? Thing that I just closed the tab, paste it back into yep, the yep. document. Would you please? Do. Uh, okay, I save the other thing because that relates to a question. We got a lot of questions today. A lot we, of have, questions. we have a huge Q and A thing. So um, you want you want to dive in? You want to do the hard drive thing? Well, yeah, let me just let me just say this. So the other day, I noticed my computer was like a little bit louder than it has been lately. Like with everything turned off, everything quiet in the room, I could hear my computer under the desk, which I didn't before. I thought you had all SSDs. No, no, no. Uh, just my, your, just your system just drive. Just my system SSD. drive, and the okay. rest are rest are Western Digital I, green I, drives. For, for what for what reason or another, I, I thought you went and bought the the one terabyte uh, I would SSDs. Like to. If yeah. I suddenly come into a few grand that I have nothing else to do with it. Um, <laughs> but the prices that, keep falling. Is that the qualification? You I don't get, know what else to do with it. You can get $1,000 SS, or, or one terabyte SSDs for like 400 and something bucks now. It's hmm. crazy. It's getting down there. Anyway, yeah. next time I build a machine, it'll be all SSDs. Anyway, so I've got these Western Digital Green Drives, which are my RAID array, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're nice. Just, they're quiet. I use those. They're nice. They're quiet. They're great. And, but the ones I'm using are a few years old now, you know, and they're two terabytes and I have them as a raid zero, which I back up all the time. And the raid zero is like, eh, I don't know, three quarters full. So there's like three terabytes on there out of four, you know? And, um, I, 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 I stopped my fans and those weren't being loud. And then I stopped the video card fans. Those weren't being loud. And I'm like, what is like, and then I go, I'm listening around and, and I notice the hard drives, not that they're loud. I can just hear, I can just hear them more than I did before. They're louder than normal. Yeah. You know, it's not so like they're making weird gotta, sounds gotta, or whatever it is, but a bearing failing or something. Well, you know, it's, it's a hard drive. So I put out a thing the other day, just saying like, when do you stop trusting a hard drive? And of course the answer is you never trust a hard drive, but you know, there's a certain place where it's like, okay. I know that's not going to blow. I don't think it's going to blow up. I don't think it's going to blow up today. There's no reason why I would think that it would blow up today, you know. Um, Until it blows up. And you go, right. oh, I should have seen that coming. I have lots of backups, so that's not my issue. Um, but I just, So the other day, I ended up, uh, Newegg had a really good deal. 125 bucks for three terabyte Western Digital Red drives, you know, the mm. RAID ones, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which are supposed to be really fast for what they are and super quiet and super steady and I think they come with a three or five year warranty, which most drives don't nowadays. Right. So I, I bit the bullet and I bought two of those. So they might get delivered at any point. And, and so I'm going to swap these out and put it in, but it's just, now, it, it, is, is everything hot swappable or do you have to, Oh no, no, no. Every, I would have to shut everything down, put those in, uh, you know, turn them into a raid and then copy the old raid over to the new raid and make that, the, you know, yeah, it's going to take time. Three terabytes of stuff transferring is going to take a little while. 
But anyway, it just got me thinking about the fact that we have all our stuff on these drives. And even if you have backups, it's like, you know, stuff wears out, you know, it's scary. Yeah. I mean, you, you've got moving parts. Yeah. Do you back up your stuff a lot? Uh, yeah, I back up to uh, I back up my system drive weekly to a little uh, a little um, uh, portable Toshiba hundred. portable. Yeah. And then I, I back up the scratch drive to a three terabyte external. What about uh, NAS? You ever use any network attached storage? No, because I only have just the one, one machine. just the one machine. Do you think those are a good idea? Um, I don't think they're a bad idea. Yeah. Um, I, I don't you don't you end up getting better throughput wired? Oh, much better. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, you could have it wired on your network and say I could have all of the music that Conrad and I have on there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As opposed to having it on our local drives, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I, I've thought about it, but I, I have. Um, um, iTunes match. So, okay. you know, everything goes to my phone and, and, you know, whatever. So I, d- I don't really need that for music, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know if I had more than one machine, like if I had an, a, a MacBook pro or something in addition yeah. to the, to the tower, then yeah, I probably would. I'd consider it because yeah. I like, I like having that, that availability. Yeah. All right. I just wanted to know. But do you have a NAS enclosure for them or? or? I, I don't currently, but I was considering buying one because I have, I have like a five, maybe two terabyte drives now, you know, that are mm-hmm. sitting in boxes and stuff like the ones that I've swapped out. Um, and part of me is just like, oh, maybe I should use those as, you know, put stick a, buy an enclosure, stick them in there and stick it in the closet, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, you've got, you've got a lot cheap, more though. choices for NAS enclosures now. Yeah. 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 The Synology ago. ones though, the cheap ones are still like. 300 bucks without any drives in them. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm, oh, mm -hmm. am I getting $300 worth of value out of that? You know, versus just having another drive in my machine and aren't they basically running little Linux boxes inside those? Yeah. 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 Um, Anyway, just interesting. Uh, Hey, why don't we, before we dive into the questions, why don't we, why don't we uh, talk about our sponsor for the day? Uh, at Square, Squarespace, those, those, Um, those crazy kids at Squarespace. are, Are they crazy kids? Uh, I think, I think they're probably a little crazy. Yeah. I like those guys. Especially the, 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 the folks over there writing the code Oof. for that, for that layout engine two or whatever That's, it is. Could you imagine doing that from no. scratch? No. Even, you know, even the, the, the Wexley one I use that does all the sort of the mosaic stuff. I asked them if they used mosaic and they said they coded it from scratch. Yeah. See, that's the, yeah, that's, that's serious. Yeah. These guys are not messing around. No. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website for a free trial and 10% off. Go to Squarespace and use the code. What is our code for this month? Better, <laughs> not more. Uh, Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features, new designs, and more support. They have beautiful templates to start with, tons of style options for you to adjust, and you can really create your own space online. Everything is drag and drop, so it's easy to add content from your desktop uh, even rearrange elements of content uh, within a page. Uh, just drag and drop them, baby. They got uh, a brand new template. What's the Are new you one? kidding me? What's the new it's one? called Bedford. It's so new there aren't any customer examples yet. Wow. <laughs> what, what is it? Is it what's what's it made for? Uh, live preview. Uh, big big full width uh, main image. Man, this is nice. Okay, you guys are. Take a look. Oh. Squarespace makes your site automatically look great in any device because Squarespace website has its own Ooh, unique nice. mobile design. Uh, you can easily connect Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, LinkedIn, Instagram, Google, and many more websites and social services. 
Squarespace has e-commerce on their platform, so if you want to set up a shop and sell things, you can do that in just a few minutes. It's incredibly easy to use. Uh, if you need some help, over 70 Squarespace employees are on their customer care team based in New York City. They're available for live chat during the week, and they have super fast email support night and day, uh, and that's true. And uh, Twitter, if you mention them on Twitter and you write, I think it's Squarespace support, at Squarespace support, uh, they write back in like 10 minutes in my experience. So listen up, Squarespace fanatics. Now is the time. Your time has come. You could apply to be part of the Squarespace team. Look, they're hiring 30 engineers and designers by March 15th, Jeffrey. Mm. So if you, uh, they're inviting potential candidates, that means you. So if you spouses, eat, sleep, breathe, design, and code, yeah, uh, get in there. Apparently, uh, if you apply and they, and, and they take you, they'll uh, fly you and your spouse to New York for the weekend completely on them. to hang. <laughs> we want to hang out with little Ryan and gaze upon the long, luxurious locks in real life? Then check out bepartofit.squarespace.com to learn more. So guys, check that out, guys. <laughs> and uh, as I said earlier, you can try Squarespace for free. You don't need a credit card. And if you decide to purchase... Starts at just eight dollars a month. Includes a domain name if you sign up for a year. So uh, make sure to get ten percent off and show support for on taking pictures by using the offer code Better Not More. So thank you very much to Squarespace for supporting Five by Five and on taking pictures. Yeah, go take a look at this Bedford. This is nice. Wait, I'm gonna go look at it right now. Squarespace.com. I just pasted it in. There's oh, a you link. Did. Okay, I didn't, yeah. I didn't see the link. Yeah, that's nice. Bedford. Uh, it's so hip. Right. Bedford, look at that. That's nice, right? Anyway. Yeah, that is nice. <clears throat> All right. So uh, tons of questions. Now, oh, before we get to that, uh, my town. We got people all over the my world. Town, talking about my town. My town. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going <laughs> to let you go. Can get you to sing everything but the theme song. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, people all over the world. Uh, and it's so great to see where you guys live uh, and to see your environment, where you go to work, where you where you shop. Uh, it, it's really fantastic. So thank you for uh, for for participating in, in, uh, in my town. Next one. Uh, we're going to bring it down a little, Bill. Uh-oh. Bringing it down. Uh-oh. New assignment. Yeah. We, we want to know what goes down after dark. That's right. That's right. So after dark is, is the new hashtag. After dark. Uh, and that could we, be we interiors. Could get, we could get some seriously uh, racy stuff here. It's called after dark. After dark. What, what, go, is, this? what? is this Cinemax? What are we doing? What? That's right. That's right. Uh, operators are standing by. There will be a twelve ninety five <laughs> charge appearing on your credit card. And Jeffrey's now new name is Kitty. That's right. <laughs> uh, operators are standing by. That means me. Um, yeah. So so you know, from sunset onward, what happens? What happens between sunset and sunrise? Uh, that's what we want to see. Okay. Could be interiors. Could be exteriors. Could be uh, you know. What, what, whatever. After dark. I like it. You got a jazz club near you? Go, go, go shoot some, some people sing. You got a blues club? You've got a, you know, whatever. You go into a, a rave to, to, you know, hang out with glow sticks and Hello Kitty backpacks? I don't know. So, what so, do they do there? So my picture's <laughs> going to be me sitting at my computer at 10 o'clock at night? <laughs> that's, that's right. 
<laughs> it's gonna be a selfie from your from your eyesight camera. <laughs> You're all pink. <laughs> you know what? That's so, actually true. It it is true. Uh, so and and mine will just be me sleeping because I you know. Who are we kidding? No, I'm, I'm up way late. Uh, all right. So lots of questions. Oh, huge amounts of questions. This was great. So thank you guys in advance for, uh, for, for uh, chiming in on this. Um, what do you got? Go ahead. No, you, you start. You, you got one? Uh, Wait, oh, well, this is going to be hard to pronounce. Yao, Yao Chang? Yao Chang? Yeah. I, I hope we are not butchering your name, Yao. Okay. Uh, when building a website, what should be taken into consideration uh, P.S. Uh, would be interested on you guys' take on a website name. For example, do you use your name, joeblowphoto.com, which I think is taken, uh, or something else, tennisballwalker.com. Yeah, thanks, yo. Uh, which, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's a big question. What should be taken into consideration? How do you feel about this? Uh, I think very simply the work should be first. Sure. Okay, so if somebody, go, if you're a photographer and somebody goes to your website and, and their first response is, wow, the interface or the navigation or whatever is really great, you've missed the mark. Your, your website is, is to support the work, not vice versa. Yeah, but the same could be said, though, that if, if that is true, then they're not. Mm. Yeah, but you remember when, 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 when people were using Flash and oh, everybody sure. had a Flash yeah, yeah, yeah. intro. Oh, absolutely. And, and there was no, all that, this that was a bad time. Hokiness. Uh, it, it, your work is, is center stage. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, you know, and there are different people feel differently about galleries, whether they should have thumbnails or not. I don't like the endless click, click, click scrolling galleries because you never know what's there. And guess what? I probably don't want to sit through your 420 photos. I'd rather, you know, click on, on the ones that I find interesting and right. see them larger. Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, I have, I think, 20, 25 pictures in each of my galleries on average. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's always a tricky thing because a lot of times your images will look better big, right? So mm. you kind of want to make a good first impression by having a nice big image. The problem is, is that what if the first three images you put up aren't anything that the person who's viewing likes? They may go one, two, three. Yeah, I don't like this and leave the site, even though four through 20 are exactly what they were looking for or whatever, you know? Right. Right. That's, that's yeah. always my thing is so th the reason why I do the, the thumbnails first is just so that people can sort of jump in wherever seems interesting mm -hmm. and they can just look at, they can look at 20 pictures at once and get uh, some sort of overview of, Oh, these are the kinds of pictures that Bill Oddman takes. Right. Right. Um, uh, I'm also a, a, not a big fan of posting everything that you've ever done. No, 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 no. Edit, if, edit, if, edit, it, edit. Yeah. If I can't see what you're capable of and whether or not it clicks with me in 20, 30, 40 pictures, posting 200 isn't going to do anything. Yeah. You know, I spent some time last week with a woman and she was looking through my work and she kind of was ripping me a little bit, basically saying that even the stuff inside a conceptual that they are too different from one another and that I have to call it even more. Mm. I'm like, interesting. Yeah. So it's just certain people, you know, it's just different ways you do it. But definitely you need to call, call, call. Yeah, uh, yeah. As far as name versus something else, I am pro name whenever possible. Pro, uh, pro person's name? Like, yeah. Like your own name? Yeah. Okay. Um, however, um, I had on taking pictures as my blog, on takingpictures.com is my main blog for five years. Mm -hmm. um, and I recently moved it all over to billwadman.com slash blog. 
over to my main site, A, because, you know, if people are going to come look at the stuff that I've written and stuff, they might as well get some branding of my name in there somewhere, you know, know right. that it's me. I, I tend to think that was a good move on your part. Yeah, I go back and forth on it because I feel like I am also sort of throwing away a lot of goodwill that I had because I can't just point the old site straight to – I don't want to give up that domain just to point it over to the new blog, you know? Right. So it's sort of, I've sort of put myself into a corner a little bit. But but like, well, you your main site up until is, – is faded and blurred, but you didn't even have – Jeffrey Sidoris doing anything for a long time, right? No, for and it's still it's still not a lot there. There's no blog there. I mean, if I'm if I'm writing, I'm writing for Faded and Blurred, right. unless I'm doing you know a post on some other blog. But right. it, it, I don't have a personal journal type thing, right. to, a personal blog. Uh, next question. Go ahead, Derek West. Uh, favorite sandwich filling? He he was just kidding. Although, what is your favorite favorite sandwich filling? Um. Probably not one. I like I like like Italian sandwiches. So like okay. you know the the yeah. salami and provolone, and provolone that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm I'm a I'm a hard salami kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, serious question: In this current day and age of photography, do you think it is possible to forge a career in photography without relying too much on the internet? No. No. Um. Look. It, you know, if you lived in some small town and everyone needed pictures because it was a small town full of people who had to have their pictures taken because, I don't know, it's, uh, you know, you're living right next to Hollywood and, I, you, know, you know what I mean? Some kind of yeah. weird thing. Maybe. I, I don't with, know. With very few exceptions, yeah. I, I would say no. Yeah. Yeah. If your last name is Avedon and you want to become a photographer and you have all these friends in the business already, maybe not. But any normal yeah, person? If, sure. If, if, I think the, the, the caveat here or the, or the key is, is forging a career, starting out. Because there are a lot of really prominent photographers whose websites get updated, you yeah. know, once every five or years. Or don't have websites at all. Yeah, or don't have websites at all. Sure. I don't think Andy Leibowitz has a website. Right, right. Uh, so is it possible if you've already got a name for yourself? Absolutely. Sure. But starting out, that's a, that's a tough one. That's yeah. a real tough road. And a lot of people that will have pictures on their um, like agent site, but not have their own site. Mm-hmm. Really yeah, but you're, you're still relying, you're still on, relying the on the internet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think it's possible. In the same way that you would say 20 years ago, could you have a business and not have a telephone line? Right. You know, I mean, isn't that sort of the equivalent? Sure. Sure. Yeah. If, if, even if you're not using, you know, social media, the internet is still a a very necessary calling card. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next question. You're up. Uh, Christopher Matheson, what do you do to keep yourself motivated and interested in your own work day in and day out? What do you got? Uh, I look at other people's work hmm. and then I realize that I'm not contributing to the stream and I try and go back into the lab and, and come up with something hmm. uh, or, or I, I, I try and refine technique or I, I, you know, and in work, what, Is what are we talking your about? writing too? Yes. I, I have read uh, four or five books about writing in the last couple months um, and I'm looking at more editorial writing. I'm reading more okay. than I than I have reading. I'm reading more of the type of writing that I would like to do more than just fiction. I've always been a big fiction reader, 
but I'm reading more editorial, more essay, um, more nonfiction than I ever have before. Hmm. Okay. Uh, you know, when I'm working, like when I'm working a job, I don't have a problem being into the work. You know, like if I'm, if somebody hires me or a magazine or, you know, whatever, like I, that I never need motivation for. Uh, Cause what I, do you do between jobs? But I know you and I have talked about work it. That it, I do for me. Yeah. I mean, there are times when I'm very prolific and there's times when I'm not getting anything done and that's a cyclical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, I need to stay busy or else I idle hands for me is a bad thing. Sure. Which is why, you know, doing stuff like this eight by 10 thing last weekend, this is, this is just something to get me going, you know, uh, and, and get experiences that I don't normally have. I think for me, it's all about taking the first step. So, you know, if you're feeling stuck in your house, or whatever, pick up your camera, walk out the front door, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the minute you're out the front door, then, then where do you go from there? It's, it's getting out the front door. That's the hard part. Or I would agree with calling that, yeah. a friend over to shoot or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you know, yeah, you know, for example, you you buy a lot more like material stuff than I do, right? Like, I'm mean, not material as in like commercial, but I mean like uh like your um your silver leaf and that kind of stuff, right? You yeah, know? like supplies, right? Like, yeah. Now you could you the 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 more general you, the royal you. What is it, what is the correct term for what I'm trying to say? The, the proverbial you. Yeah. Uh, could buy all that stuff and just let it sit on a shelf. You know what I mean? Just having the stuff doesn't make make it. No, but the, you know right? what? You know what? So that pull drives it out me crazy. Right. Well, pull some. You know, having packages of things that are unused drives yeah. me absolutely nuts. If I have, you know, even like, you know, buying a new can of spray adhesive, I'm like, right. okay, what can I use this for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that you know, pull it down off the wall, get an exacto knife, and start cutting. You know what I mean? Even mm-hmm. if it's something crap, it, you, at least you're doing something, and mm-hmm. then maybe it leads to something else. You know. Um. So yeah, for me, it's all about just keeping myself busy. And that's why I, you know, have my wish list of people that I contact. That's why I have friends that I shoot a lot. That's why, you know, I do things like that motion thing and stuff like that. You know, I mm-hmm. do, um, I'm working on a couple of video things that I'm kind of playing with right now. So there's, you know, um, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, that's, that's how I do it. Um, it's tough though. It depends too. It's like w- where, where I live in the city you know, I could get on a train and in 30 minutes be in Times Square and there's no way to be unstimulated in Times Square, for example. You know what I mean? So right. there's there's an advantage to being a city is that like I there were times when I when I worked in um in uh in when I lived like in Southbury, like when when I was growing up and stuff, where I would be like kind of miserable and out of my mind, but like stuck in the middle of nowhere. It's like, oh shoot, what am I gonna do? Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, and that's always really scary for me. Um, but, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Um, let's think, let's, uh, do the next one. Anton, it's you. Oh, Anton, Anton 14. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) By the way, did you see that it was our, our friend's birthday the other day? Which one? Uh, Stefan Louvaux. 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 Um, Okay. Anton Fortain has badly done HDR entered the realm of the cliched and kitsch. Yes. Yes. And if not, <laughs> why the hell not? See previous answer. And if why, uh, oh, why is it so popular with the masses? It's popular with the masses because, oh, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. It's never stopped you before. Um, I think it's popular with the masses because it's something that 
it's something that people who are into photography who don't want to come up with something else can do that makes them seem fancier than people who are just taking pictures with their phone. Like it's, 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 it's an easy to grasp technique that, that anybody can do that makes even a mediocre photo look at least interesting, you know, but Mm -hmm. I don't think that it makes photos better. Does that make any sense? Sure. Yeah. Right on. Uh, is it, is that, do you agree with that? Do you know yeah, I don't, I don't think it makes photos, but with a very few exceptions, I don't think it makes photos better. No. Um, it, it ends up being, and we've talked about this, it ends up being very, you know, sort of heavy-handed, ham-fisted. You get halos. Yeah. You, know, you crush, you know, any semblance of... of yeah, there, uh, there are times to use HDR. Like, I could imagine architectural photography where you're using HDR really just to expand the thing to get the windows so they don't blow out and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but in those cases you're doing it, it should be done in such a way that you didn't even realize that it was HDR. Right. I think the best HDR, you can't even tell that it's HDR. Sure. Sure. It shouldn't, it shouldn't take you out of the photograph in the same way that, that a uh, good special effect in film shouldn't have you going, wow, that was a really great CG That shot. is exactly the same thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 Good one. Uh, uh, okay. Michael Seneschal. Okay. Yeah. So how do you go with that? Art versus workflow. I'm not sure I understand this one. Art versus work. What do you, what do you, I don't know what he, what he's. I think maybe he's saying, you know, I think even, okay. Even on this show. Is it maybe art versus product? Maybe a better. Well, it, it's, it's an interesting thing because like you could sit here and, you know, you and I talk about the art side of things a lot. Right. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. every once in a while we talk about the workflow side of things, which is to say how I do what I do um, or what you do, what you do or how one, do, how, how one actually takes the picture once you decide that you want to take the picture. Um, and it's funny cause I think some people, I think there needs to be a balance between those two things because you can't obsess too much about, the thing you're making without thinking about how you're going to make it. But at the same time, some people fetishize the, how you're going to make it and never really think about what they're actually trying to make, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, I think there's an interesting thing there where, where, where it's a, that's a balancing act to try to make it so that there's these, these two things don't, one doesn't outweigh the other, you know? Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe I'm not, it's because I'm not sort of serious enough about it, but I'm, I'm, I'm not precious about my work. Okay. I'm not, I'm not precious about the artwork. I'm not, I'm not precious about any of it. It's, it's, it's all, whether or not it's art isn't up to me. All, all I typically concentrate on is the process to get from A to B or from A to Z, hopefully. Okay. Yeah, no, I got you. But you're, yeah, you, you fetishize the process very distinctly. Yes. Right. And always have. And, right. and even the process of taking pictures, I, I, that, that has always been solidified with me as a process, not an outcome. Which is odd because I have this sort of near reverence for the print. Yes, it's true. Near reverence. Hmm. I like I that. To, I have to think about that now. <laughs> did, Thanks, we, Michael. Did we just do? We just blow you up. Yeah, I know you your just, mind. You just blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Pete LeBeau. Uh, wait, wait, does wait. Pete Pete LeBeau? LeBeau. <laughs> That's right. Uh, does your photography have to quote have a viewpoint? 
Uh, I've heard people say, try to decide what you want to put across. And other people have said, just shoot whatever you feel like. It's a confusing opposition of views. Does shooting whatever you want lead to finding your viewpoint akin to the 10,000 hour viewpoint? Hmm, I do overthink sometimes. And then Alan chimes in, Pete LeBeau, I think if you're shooting for 10,000 hours and doing it as a passion, not just holding down the shutter for an hour a day for 10 years, something is going to shake out in that time. You'll find a place you like in portraits or landscapes or something and have a direction. It's hard not to, unless you're purposefully trying not to. Okay. Uh, can, can I jump in on this sure, real quick? Bill, you're in. Um, I think that there are intuitive photographers who, who in, in, in the same way that there are intuitive uh, pianists or guitar players or sax players, it just makes sense to them. The, the keys make sense. The strings make sense. The camera makes sense. Um, so in, in, in that way, uh, I don't think they have to think about what they're shooting. It just sort of comes out. Um, I, in reading, and I have, I have a, a particular passage in this, this Stephen King book on writing, which is fantastic, uh, that I think is, is appropriate to this. Now, he's talking about writing, but uh, I think it's applicable to any sort of really uh, – in, any endeavor. I love how um, we can hear the pages turning. Could, could you? Sorry yeah, about that. That was great. Uh, okay, so – Uh, He says, good writing consists of mastering the fundamentals, vocabulary, grammar, elements of style, and then filling the third level of your toolbox with the right instruments. Uh, While it is impossible to make a competent writer out of a bad writer, and while it is equally impossible to make a great writer out of a good one, it is possible with lots of hard work, dedication, and timely help to make a good writer out of a merely competent one. This clicked with me, and I've, I've sort of known this intellectually about myself, but... but so, you're, so what he's saying there is that not anybody can be excellent at something, there, that, like that you can only raise yourself up X amount from what your intuitive gifts give you. Yes. You really you, agree you, with that? I do. Okay. You, you, are, you are never, ever, ever, ever going to practice your way to being Mozart. Ever. You are never, ever, ever going to, uh, you know, rehearse your way to being, you know, whatever, Elvis Presley or or you either have those gifts, I believe, or you don't. That doesn't mean you can't be good. That doesn't mean you you can't be, uh, you know, even excellent at at what you have chosen to pursue. But. If that. If that's something, and I don't, if, if, if you're a photographer, maybe you call it vision. If that vision isn't there, it's never going to be there. You can't, mm. you can't learn it into place. Okay. Yeah. But I don't know that I agree with that in the sense that can't, that just because you don't know it now doesn't mean that you won't find it later. But finding it, there, there's a distinction. He goes on to say, if you're a bad writer, no one can help you become a good one or even a competent one. Hmm. And I, I, for me, making the realization 
that that and it, it, it it's going to come across as settling and i don't mean it to but making the realization that that nothing that i do is ever going to be in moma mm-hmm. is a relief There are some, and I'm not saying I necessarily agree with it, but there are some who would say because you think that nothing you will ever do will ever be in MoMA, that's why nothing you will ever do will ever be in MoMA. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Um, I, you I, know, I, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily agree. This look, is a very you, tough thing. The you, problem is there's absolutely no way to test this. No, there's not. There's not. It's it's merely an opinion, and right. and you know you could shoot for the for the rest of your life, and you are never going to be regarded in the same way as Avedon, ever. Yeah, maybe. Because but then again, be- maybe the same people said the same thing about Avedon, and they said you will never look like Cecil Beaton or whoever. You know what I mean? Maybe, but but they're they're I don't know. I I, I just think either you have it or you don't. Mm, I don't know that I agree with that. Okay. So I, but I mean, back to his specific question, I think that shooting whatever you feel like shooting over the course of the 10,000 hours, I think that your, your unconscious knows what you want to shoot and maybe even knows ultimately what you want to get across. And by just shooting what you like for 10,000 hours, I do think that that naturally narrows your focus and Yes. And brings your viewpoint into focus in a conscious way that maybe it wasn't in the beginning because you didn't really you didn't know how to express it. But you knew you liked shooting people and not shooting landscapes. And that led to X, Y, Z. So. I think that doing it seriously and and working at taking pictures of what you feel like, I think that that leads inexorably to a view, a, a, a point of view. Sure. And, and it's maybe not even conscious. Maybe it's right. only when you, when you look at a 10-year body of work, yep. do you see a theme? And it may not necessarily be an interesting point of view from the point of everyone else in the world, mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. will be a point of view. Sure. Um, it's an interesting question. And, it's and, very interesting. And almost impossible to, to, to answer. Right. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I would love to unpack this more and and, okay. and get well, people we'll to chime in on because, like I say, I, I it's not that I don't think you can be good, but but getting to that amazing level, I think you either have it or you don't. Yeah, I I, th- I think that there is innate ability is part of it, but I think there are a lot of people with innate ability who never go anywhere. For example, um, I have a friend who has perfect pitch. Right? Mm-hmm. And he's a composer and a percussionist and musician, and he's wonderful. Um, His brother has better pitch than he does. And his brother's like, you know, some plumber or something like that. Has no musical interest, has no, never worked at it, never did anything. And he's got all the talents in the world, but just has no interest. Okay. But it's there. Sure. It's yeah, it's there, but unless he works on it, he's never going to be, he's never going to do anything. And he's chosen not to work on it. So, mm-hmm. you know, his brother who doesn't have arguably as much talent, if we just use, you know, his quality of his pitch as a just, you know, base indicator. For right. Sure. As kind of a descriptor. Yeah. Sure. Um, you know, his brother who worked a hell of a lot harder 
You know, I, I knew a guy in, in, in high school who had, who had a, uh, didactic memory, you know, uh, you know, he, he had all of Shakespeare's plays memorized. Right. Okay. And he had yeah. an older brother. Can you brother. learn that? I don't think you can no, learn that. No, you can't learn that. But his older brother, uh, was always in this kid's shadow because everything just came easily to this kid. Mm-hmm. And the younger brother worked his tail off and actually got into better schools than the older, you know. So you, you, you never, mm, I think that there's, I think that, I think there's a little bit of an excuse there. Okay. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll, you know what, we'll, we'll move on, but we'll, we'll talk about this some other time. Yep. I think there's a lot there. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Mitch Sevier, have you guys ever pondered having a guest on the show sometime to chat? Uh, we've talked about it, but we kind of came down on the idea that it's, the show is you and me. Yeah. Um, this is where the magic happens, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> uh let's see alan has his own question here oh god what alan what uh, do, do, do you shoot things intentionally i dushman oh, that's always about dushman with bail word it's uh, good. learn somebody else yeah. alan come on dushman talks about visual weight <laughs> etc uh do you think about that before you click the shutter do you sh- do i think about that before i click the shutter i do if i'm shooting like out like street stuff yeah I, I tend to look at things in in almost uh, graphic designy kind of parameters. I do too. Yeah, I trying do to re- reduce things to to shapes and spaces and things like that. I think that um, I think that this is a there's an experience thing in there too, where the less stuff you have to consciously think about from a from a technique point of view, mm-hmm. the more your mind is open to obsessing about shapes and ratios and. You know, are you, are you more of a technical shooter or an aesthetic shooter? Um, I would say aesthetic in the sense that I don't need, I'd rather have a well-lit picture that was amazing than a perfectly picture that was mediocre. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am not, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Um, who's, who's the guy that we like? there's a lot of guys i'm not heisler you know right i don't obsess about the exact position of my light within inches you Mm -hmm. know i don't i don't think that there's in the kind of stuff that i try to do i don't think that there's time for that okay um you know i mean there there are you know like heisler gives his talk and he talks about you know working with all these people and stuff he doesn't always talk about the people that it didn't work out with because they're their personalities did not mesh with the idea of sitting there for two hours while he's setting up a four by five. Right. Right. Well, you know? it's the sort of idea of, of, you know, history is written by the winners. Of course. Right. Yeah. But yeah. I'm just saying that, so it's not like, um, some people it just doesn't work that way with, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, I shot a woman last week who was, you know, very, she was fine. She was very nice. And, and, but just, um, like she needed a lot of attention. You know, right. so I couldn't spend a lot of time thinking about moving my lights around and being obsessive about that stuff. Cause if I lost her, she was going to be gone for good. Right. You know? So there's, there's a, a game there. Um, do I, I don't know. I think about it. I guess I think about it, but I think that that's, I think that when you start thinking about that, this is a weird thing because when you start thinking about that, you, you know that you're getting serious about taking pictures when you stop thinking about that, that's when you know you really are serious about taking pictures. Mm. You see what I'm trying to say? 
Sure. It's sort of sure. like at the point at which you're noticing that you're thinking about uh, visual weight and things around the frame or whatever it is, that's when you know you're taking it seriously. But the point mm-hmm. at which you don't need to think about it anymore and you're still taking those pictures, that's when you know you're getting somewhere. You know, sort of like when, know, you're, when you're not think thinking always... about the mechanic. Tiger Woods is not thinking about the exact mechanics of his golf swing every single time he swings the club. But yeah. how do you know? He works on that so that he doesn't have to think about it. Mm. See what I'm saying? I wrote it in my Grail diary so I didn't have to remember. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, that. wait, was was that you or were you doing Sean <laughs> You know that's a line from a movie, right? Yeah, it's 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 from Last Crusade. Uh what's in your go-to portable lighting kit? Um, the sun. Yeah. Yeah. I have this I have this little light called the sun. Yeah. Um you know, it used to be two uh, little speed lights, two 36 inch, um, uh, um, what's it called? Soft lighters, uh, and a couple little stands and, you know, pocket wizards to connect it all. Um, but the past couple shoots I've done, I've actually brought the, uh, the new Einstein I got with that little battery pack. How do you like that? Einstein? I, I am dangerously close. I think to, to it's jumping great. into the, into the alien bees universe. It's great. The yeah. Einstein's great. Um, I more no so problems. than, than an AB 800 or 1600. What, what do you, yeah, what do you, it's a little, it's a little fancier than that in the sense that it's got like a, you know, frosted dome over the strobe light. So it's a little more even coming off the head. Um, it's got, um, it's much more specific. Like with the alien bees, it's, it's a, it's a linear pot, right. That you're just sliding up and down. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting exact stuff. You know, you can it's never was a problem in the eight years that I've used one, but you know, it's nice being able to go bring it up two tenths of a stop and you go bleep bleep. And you know, it's exactly two tenths right, of a stop. Right, 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 right. Okay. Um, so for certain things, it's nice. Uh, and then I've got that little, uh, that little battery pack, the, the, what's it called? The sure. Vagabond. The Vagabond, the new one, the new yeah. lithium one. Um, Tiny. Yeah. I, so I, I've been using that the past couple of shoots and it's been great. So my lighting kit though is tight. I mean, I know people who bring piles of stuff with them. Right. Know? Rolling cases worth of stuff. I have maybe one big light and then a couple of uh, speed lights just in case I want to do a hair or a rim or on the background or whatever it is. I, I have a very small lighting kit, um, so not anything fancy. I mean, you could you could buy my lighting kit for less than $1,000. Right, right. Um, so um, what's the next one? Jeremy. Jeremy Bryant. Uh, oh, wow. This is a – ooh, Okay. Uh, we, we made it, we made it, we may need another show on this. Uh, <laughs> what makes a photo interesting, uh, or conversely, what makes a photo boring? Everyone would have a subjective definition of interesting or boring, but this is something that I'm always struggling with, with my own work. Welcome to the club. Uh, I would much rather someone say a photo of mine was bad than boring. Interesting. Would you rather make good yet boring images or bad, but interesting images it's interesting this is actually similar to the question uh you just gave me where was i a what would you say a technical photographer technical versus aesthetic? versus aesthetic yeah um it's a similar question right yeah um, i mean what what it's like what you know what makes a photo interesting what makes art interesting yeah this, i think it, it either evokes or or inspires or uh, J- Jeremy, go, 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 you know, take some classes at a local university <laughs> on aesthetics yeah, I mean, and what, philosophy. <laughs> what makes it interesting? That's, that's very subjective. You yeah. know, I know a lot of people that, that think, you know, Monet is, is amazing and, and are so moved by, by that, that work. But I look at it and I'm like, eh, it's okay. Yeah. 
Monet okay. May. Yeah, it's okay. Um, and and boring. Mm, I don't know. Again, that's very subjective. You know, are, are Edward Weston's photos of, of peppers boring because they're just photos of peppers? Or are they amazing because they're... Phallic they're, peppers? <laughs> you know, are, are they amazing because they are, they are sort of sublime examples of, of light and shadow? I don't know. It's, that's very personal. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with him, though, that I'd rather somebody say a picture was bad than boring. Because, you know, at least then you're getting a reaction. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Just because they think it's bad, that probably means that somebody else would think that it was good. Mm-hmm. Where if mm-hmm. it's boring, then no one's even going to notice it. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I would agree with that. It, 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 being dismissed in in any sense uh, is is a tough. That's a tough one for me to take. Um, that's a difficult question. Yeah, it is. Um, we got a lot to go. I think we should move on. But that that's yep. something we could talk about later. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jason Fossera. How Maybe would you pronounce no, that? Fossera. Yeah. Are you selling yourself short on assignments if you post photos from before the assignment was given? Oh, this is a question of the OTP group assignment. Yes. The um, answer is yes. Yes. It's an assignment, not a. Can you pull right. it out of your Lightroom yeah. catalog? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And moving on. Okay. Jeff Green? Uh, Jeff Green, as you approach episode 100, uh, looking back on all you have recorded, are you happy with where the show has gone and what you've talked about? Is there anything unexpected that came from the show or did it all go as you expected? Um, I'm ecstatic about this show. I look forward to this show every week. Uh, I listen to it back every week. Um, and every show is unexpected. You listen to the show every week. I do. Wow. Okay. I do. Um, the entire thing has been unexpected. Uh, you know, getting, getting to do this show was unexpected. Getting picked up by five by five is unexpected. Getting sponsors who go, Hey, we like what you're doing and we'd like to sponsor your show is unexpected. Having nearly a thousand people, in the the Google Plus group is unexpected. This 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 show has been an absolute joy, and it's it's something I look forward to every week. So yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know that it was even just what we talk about. I think we keep going in new places, and I I think we talk about. I mean, we're talking about the same general subject a lot, but I think that we're going we're changing as we discuss it. And therefore the conversation is changing. Right. I mean, you got to, you got to keep digging. Right. But, but I'm just saying that we are growing as people in the two years. And in that time, our answers have the, the colors have shaded, you know what I mean? Yes. Which is kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's, you know, not to be sappy or anything, but it's, it's because of you guys. It's, it's because you listen and you engage and you, uh, you post photos and you, you know, ask questions of each other. And, and it's not, uh, it's not, uh, a, a, a place of these sort of petty flame wars. You know, you, you, you guys are, are, have made this a really great experience all around. And, and I, uh, you know, like I said, I look forward to it every week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Brian James is asking whether this is art or not. What is this? Oh, this is the, uh, picture the mug of, shots. Yeah. What do you think? Um, 
No, I don't think it is. I think they were they they were utilitarian. They served a purpose. People may look at them now as sort of precious, but I think when they were made, it was you know it was a catalog. Yeah, they were index cards. They were visual index cards. I think I don't know. What do you, you know, think? And there there might also be. I mean, we see the you know fifty of these that people like, but there were probably thousands of them, and a lot of them probably didn't look nearly as cool. Mm-hmm. So they're definitely choosing. It's a it's a typo it's a topology, right? You know, yeah. at a certain point. Um, uh, I, I I will say one thing. There is a guy uh, named oh, I'm going to get his name wrong. Chris, is that who you are, Chris? Chris Pine. He was the the new Kirk. Right. Yeah. No. Uh, Chris Sykes, uh, bagpainter dot com. Uh, now, what Chris does here is Chris, Chris takes vintage mug shots and paints them on paper bags. Uh, that, there's an interpretation there. There's a, uh, there's a process that's going on So you're on saying there. that the initial photographer of those pictures was not making art. I thought art was for somebody else to decide. I think, yeah, well, it, I, I, don't, I don't think they were. Hmm. But but society now could decide that the photographer for the New York City Police Department in 1920 was a photographer was was an artist. Uh, yes, it wasn't New York. These are from Whatever. Australia. Okay, but yeah, yeah, yeah. um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't I don't see them as such. I think I think, I think they're pretty cool. They're very cool. You know, yeah, what's similar to. Uh, do you ever see those the the portraits taken of the um, Lincoln conspirators? Yes. The guy's are, got like the are shackles. Are those considered art? Would you consider those art? Mm, no. Okay. Okay. I wouldn't. Oh, well, see, this is, I mean, I guess the, this becomes, takes it one step deeper and says, is our portraits art or are they just recording the person? Well, okay. The, but these were made, these weren't made to be framed and hung on a wall a hundred years later. Is these that were the made, definition? No, 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 no. It's not the definition at all, but the, the, the intent was very utilitarian. You know, it's like, is, is a hammer art? Is, is a blender? You know, they serve a purpose. They were made for, maybe I'm way off base on this. I probably am. I know. It, look, I mean, you're entitled to your opinion. I'm just wondering. I was just trying to tease it out. W- w- would I hang them on my wall? Absolutely. I think they're really cool. Yeah. But, but you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's very strange. There, there is, there is, we we live in a time now where there's this nearly insatiable need for more content that we can call art. You know what else is interesting? The the idea that that something that is documentary at some point later can become art and at the same time something that was considered just art at the time becomes documentary later. Yeah, I mean that now that I'm thinking there's this a historical through, distinction between those yes. two things which isn't necessarily needs to, doesn't need to be there. Was it, you know, yeah, can things become art if if that if the original intent was eh, that's this is interesting now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I may have been dismissive in in my judgment. All right, we'll think about it and we'll discuss it later. This is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh Alessandro Amato del Monte. Best name ever. <laughs> Alessandro Amato del Monte. Uh I'd like to know your opinion on some of the photography bloggers out there. Oh boy, we're going to get ourselves in trouble. Um, uh, <laughs> Ming Thane, I know Mike Johnston, right? I know that guy's site. 
Eric uh, Kim. Boyer. I don't know some of these people. LaRoque. Do I know these people? All right. Uh, we all agree that, that to be better photographers, we ought to study the masters. But is there something to be gained from spending time reading these guys' work? Or is it just filler? My take on this is no. I actually think there's depth and insights in many of these things these, these guys write and or photograph. Um, look, I, I don't have the readership that some of these guys do, but people come and read the stuff that I write about why I take pictures or how I do, I guess. I mean, if you could pick something up from it, it's fine. I think that yeah, the, I, I think I, making I think the distinction right. between between the masters and everyone else is a weird distinction to make. Who decides who is the master? You know, I mean, yeah, we do our photographer of the week, but like, who's to say that these people are really that special? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Avedon's Avedon, but does that mean that you know Saul Leiter wasn't even really known by anybody for forty years? Right. Right. So. Who knows? I, I, I think know? anything. I, I tend to take Patrick's approach on this, and and if you can glean a little bit of insight or a technique or a tip or yeah. or something from a website, a book, uh, a DVD, then why not? I, I mean, I tend to think that if anything, it's not that these people aren't. Hmm. I think that, yeah, there's something to be, there's, you can get good ideas from anybody and the way somebody says something, maybe a click something and you sure. Um, I, I do think though that some of the guys out there who are the blogger workshopper people, um, sometimes are getting a little too much credit Yep. that it's just like, okay, you know, that's great that you have all these people listening to you, but your pictures aren't even very good. So right. Right. Calm down. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And as, and as like, long as you're not spending so much time yeah. reading and studying that you're not out doing, well, you know, it, it always reminds me, uh, a friend of mine was over a couple weeks ago and he, we were talking about, you know, the, the, the random baby photographer in Colorado who has 50,000 Twitter followers, you know? Right. Um, and then the fact that somebody like Stefan Laveau doesn't even have a website. Right. And you know what I mean? Like that, that, that just because you have a lot of followers or a lot of people listen to you doesn't mean that you're good at what you do. No, um, it doesn't. And so, you know, if you get something out of them, I do think that there is a problem with spending too much time reading this stuff and not enough time doing the stuff. I think you get way more out of whatever you're doing. Photography, for example, by shooting for an hour versus reading other people's stuff for an hour. I think, I think, you know, there are times when you can read stuff or if you feel uninspired, read stuff or you're winding down at the end of the day, read stuff, but you can also get caught up in just fiddling around with stuff and not actually making anything, which is uh, agreed to me. Yeah. Agreed. Um, what's the next one? Uh, uh, Ross James, who, who I mistakenly, I, I called him Josh last episode oh, come on you know about the mules oh yeah so yeah. sorry about that russ <laughs> uh he, he's he's uh he's good good guy uh constant lighting versus flash well mm. that's like coke versus pepsi right yeah they're two different things um there's a couple things you got to think about here one uh is is the workflow of it right constant lights are nice because you see they're WYSIWYG, right you see what you see is what you get Mm-hmm. The downside of constant light is a they're generally bigger and heavier and need more power and are hotter and all that. Um, and you don't always get flash 
modern flashes give very, very, even very broad spectrum light. They give light that is very much like what comes from the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to warm that up or cool that down, you can do that. Um, so th- there, there are advantages to using flash in the sense that the light is sort of perfect, quote unquote. But or at least more consistent. Um, yeah, and for color photography, more more accurate, I guess, is a better way to put okay. it. Right? Okay. Okay. Um, but you know, if you're shooting black and white, for example, who cares? You know, Karsh used const- you know tungsten lights because um, he didn't have to worry about color at all. Um, and so, so there's there's eh, I tend to lean towards flash just because if I'm going somewhere, I want to be able to carry it in my little backpack and mm-hmm, not have to worry mm-hmm. about plugging in and all that kind of stuff. And there are times when I take pictures with just the modeling lights on my, on my camera. Um, and sometimes it's a nice look and other times it's, 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 yeah, I don't know. I think, I think flash is, is, is more difficult because you know, you have to sort of visualize and take pictures and test and whatever it is. But when you get it right, you have a lot more um, possibilities because you have you generally have a lot more power too. So you can do things like stop down the lens, get a lot more in focus, or stop things in real time. That kind of stuff. You can get better shutter speeds. You can get a lot more light out of flash in general. Um, I don't know. It's tough. I I lean towards flash, uh, but because good constant lighting is big and heavy and expensive. Mm-hmm. So that's where I come down. You have any thoughts on the matter? I, you know, I'm, I'm learning. Um, if I look at uh, the people that I really like their work, uh, by and large, they're using constant lights. You know, people like Karsh or, or um, Paolo Reversi, yep. you know, they're using either natural light and then, yeah. you know, adding to that with constant. They do but, look different. Even that, like there's those Heiler, Heisler pictures of um, uh, uh, Picard of, um, what's his name, Patrick Stewart. And, uh, and, uh, um, Picard, that's great. And, uh, and Joyce Carol Oates, you know, those right, ones that they right. took for the national arts club. And I was talking to Randy Duchesne about that. And he said that they, he used constant, he used, uh, uh, fluorescence banks hmm. on those. So, you know, they, they do have a slightly different look. Everything has a slightly different look. Does anybody other than photographers know or care? Probably not, you know? Karsh could have used flashes. He chose mm-hmm. to use big lights, you know? Yeah. Uh, Paula Reversi is doing a lot of stuff where he's using slow shutter speeds and things blur and do all kinds of stuff. But that's because his style is exactly in fitting with the strengths and the weaknesses of, of tungsten lights. Sure. You know? Sure. And, 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 you know, he's, his, his main light that he loves is the light coming into his studio, right? The, the, the sunlight, yep. you know, and, and he'll just, right. which so, means that I, he also has a really nice studio that has good sunlight. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So that's a, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, David, Dave Lawrence, digital and connected devices was the last big leap in photography. What's next? Well, I guess mm. if we could answer that, we'd, be rich. I don't know. Yeah. Be Two rich. or three years. Yeah. Uh, I think that, you know, like that little Sony that I had for a while. Um, yep. I sold it by the way. Yeah. I know. Um, had Wi-Fi built in. Mm-hmm. I, it would be, I, I would love all these modern cameras to have Wi-Fi so you could like have them connect to your phone or your computer, you know, easily. Yeah. Um, I think GPS needs to be in all these big cameras. 
It's like, come on. It's in my phone. You can't put a GPS chip in my 5D, yeah, so yeah. I know where these pictures are taken. I, I think the next big thing is, and in, we're, it's maybe it's not even big. We're seeing it now, but it's. I think optical viewfinders are going to go away. Prisms, optical viewfinders, yeah, mirrors, Yeah, the electric gone. ones just have to get a lot better, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They're not there yet. Um, yeah, that might be it. Or computational photography. You know, it's things more like the Lytro. Is that what that thing was? The one. Yeah, that I, I, I think that's going to end up being like 3D. It's it's. Uh, as I see that as more of a of a gimmick, or it's integrated into something else. But a camera that only does no, that. No, 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 not just that. But I'm just saying th- the idea that that we have all this compute. How can the compute help us take better, more accurate pictures? Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it's going to. It's not. None of this stuff is going to make better pictures. In the same way that the digital revolution hasn't made better pictures. It just makes it easier to take pictures right, or smaller right. or whatever, you know? Yeah, you're going to get smaller. I mean, there are rumors that uh, the, 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 the next iPhone is going to be a 10 megapixel 1.8. Yeah. Um, you know, who, who right. knows? Um, Justin Weathersby, lighting. Uh, what's the best way to limit shadows in a situation? Where to put light? What type? Um, if you really want to fill in shadows, the best way to do it is to use a ring light at, on your lens, right? Because so that whatever your lens is seeing, the light is coming from the same exact point of view and filling those shadows. Uh, but the problem with that is that it will literally fill all the shadows. There will be nothing that is black if you're not careful. Um, personally, I think like a, like a soft box above or behind or just to the side of the camera position can generally fill shadows enough that, that, that it won't be, uh, it won't be too bad and you still mm-hmm. get some sort of contour. The problem with the, with the ring light is that you lose all sort of contour. Everything kind of flattens out because everything's right. getting light straight on. Um, or only shoot on cloudy days. Yeah, you could do that too. <laughs> um, <laughs> shadows are I love good how though. dismissive. You're like, yeah, you can do that too. <laughs> shadows are, shadows are, I don't know. I don't mind shadows. I don't mind I uh, I like shadows. In fact, I have recently discovered a guy named Brett Walker. You know this guy? No, let me see. Uh, Look it up. No. Keep going. Keep talking. Brett Walker, who just crushes his shadows, and and oh man, I I, I love it. Or uh, Tom Hoops, he's another one. Hoops yep. does a lot of a really hard shadows, and he he uses it to such great effect. Um. There's, they're, they're just, they're dripping with mood, his pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah, he's one of these guys who's, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I like shadows. He's, like not, shadows just, he's not just pulling up shadows. He's also, like, pulling down, like, the, the red and the orange channels a little bit to get all the grit out of, into piece of people's faces. Yeah, you can do this with almost any picture in a little Photoshop. Ooh, it's cool stuff in here. Like, yeah, like. Uh, this crazy old woman with no teeth. Eek. That one? Yeah, that one. Let me see. Let me see. Hold on. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. sure. So, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you can fill shadows. Uh, ring light works best if you really want to fill them. That's what, like, Dan Winters does. Mm-hmm. Um, just gives a little pop. Uh, doesn't doesn't he use, like, a ring in front of a softbox to fill? Like, isn't, isn't he, like, or is that Heisler? He's somehow combining both of them? Well, I mean, you can, there are, there are ring lights now, like even like the buff one, you, there's basically like a soft box that can go on the ring light to really soften. it. Mm, mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. the problem with that kind of stuff, it's like, yeah, you could do it, but like you get into a lot of gear, you know, like there's a lot of setup and there's a lot of, you know, so it's, it's a very specific thing that you're doing that kind of thing. Um, 
I, I've I've done it. It works okay. Uh, but again, like a nice umbrella or a softbox with just something soft behind the camera position is going to do a nice job too. Uh, you don't need to go get crazy. Um, ooh, tough one, Jeffrey. Rich said, uh, Rich asks, yeah. "What is the one thing that happened to you both from which you learned the most?" <sighs> Hmm. Um. The death of both of my parents. Yeah, I think uh, that might be an easy one to answer for both of us. Yeah, it, it taught me that there is simply not enough time. Right. There's never enough time, and and if you're squandering it, shame on you. Yeah. Hmm. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I th- well, hmm. that's probably, that's, I mean, I think that it's, it's been the most recent. I mean, I'm sure there was something. Let's, you, you know, know what? Let's, 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 because. That could be a show. It is, but you know what? Let's, let's take death of our parents out of it because that would be number one on both of our lists. What would okay. be number two? Number two, um. I don't know that there's one ev- uh, high school English class. Okay. With with uh, with with Mr. Kennison, uh, I think taught me the importance and and the power that words have. Okay. And that's pervaded not only not only writing but speech. That that words have gravity. They have weight. They have collateral damage. They have um, purpose. They have effect. Yeah, maybe that. You, you know, I think uh, uh, it's funny. I think that um, I think probably the biggest, like the event that had the biggest effect on me was deciding in back in two thousand four to start my first 365 project, my first daily project. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that evening, I think it was November 23rd, 2004 is probably the pivot point in my life so far. Hmm. Um, I mean, it's to the point where like, yeah, the death of my father made me change things, but it's only because I had already started doing these other things. Um, and I just, just deciding to, stop sitting around and talking about it and actually just start doing stuff all the time uh, it was revolutionary to me. You know, hmm. it, it changed mm-hmm. my worldview. Wow. Um, so, you know, that's, I guess that's what I would answer. Okay. Um, let's see what else we got. Um, ben, ben, Ben McCarthy. Uh, what are your thoughts on the merits of a photo or any artwork that is purely aesthetic versus a photo that says something. Wow, a lot of a lot of stuff about intent. Um, go ahead. What do you What do you got? I think that something can just be pretty for pretty yeah. sake. Yeah. I don't think every photo needs to say something, but I think that I think the person who made it uh, is there a distinction between art having something to say versus the person who made it having something to say? Mm, I don't know. Like, like, I feel like, the, I feel like the, the, the creator has to have a point of view, not with every single piece of work that they make, but as a general rule, I think that, I think that that is what separates the men from the boys, so to speak. 
Maybe, but the, I, but that doesn't mean that those people can't just make something. You know, it's like um, kind of reminds me of at the end of uh, Abbey Road, the Her Majesty, the little song. Right, right. I love that little thing, and it is probably you know what Paul McCartney was probably sitting there that day and just wrote this little thing in the morning, and they recorded it and stuck it on the end. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Paul McCartney thinks of that as one of his great pieces of art that he ever made. Right, but it's pretty and it's great. Well, so there's, it's, it's, it's for its own sake. I think things can exist. I mean, there, what's the, there it gives me back to Pollock. There's another quote where he says, nobody looks at a field of flowers and has to ask what it means. Right. Yeah. It just is, you know? And I, I think that, that the, the meaning is, is oftentimes different for the viewer than it is for the creator. You know, I don't, I don't know what, you know, Helen Frankenthaler or Rothko had in their heads when they were creating their color field pieces. Rothko. I just, yeah. I just know that they affect me. I don't know what they mean. I don't know what, what a yeah. lot of art means, Yeah, but it either, it either resonates with me or it doesn't. I, yeah, I think things can be effective and they could be, I, I think things effective and, and, and purely aesthetic mm-hmm. pleasing to the eye are mutually exclusive factors. Maybe. Yeah. I think something can be effective without being aesthetic. I, I hope, I hope things can be just beautiful for the sake of being beautiful. I hope there can be things that are, that, that you don't know why you like it. I think sometimes you and I are guilty of this, but the world is definitely guilty of this where it's like, they're constantly trying to find out why and for why, you know, like, why do yeah. we ask why just stop? Let's, yeah. yeah. Just enjoy just, it. Just you know, I, I was listening to an episode. Not of, everything needs context, right? But I, but some things can benefit from it. I I was listening to an episode of this podcast I listened to called Backstory. It's a history mm-hmm. podcast. It's really fun. sure, sure. And they were talking about uh, sugar this week, and they were talking about talking to this guy who's like a candy nut, and he's just like, you know what? He said, if you took a Snickers bar back to somebody in pre-Columbian Mesoamerica. Or, you know, wherever, right? Like somebody like back in the day before this stuff existed and you gave it to them, they would probably worship Snickers as a god. Like this is – he's just like we live in a time where for, you know, a huge tiny percentage of your discretionary income, you can get that kind of pleasure out of something you buy at the corner store. Yeah. You know, so at a certain point, it's just like, you know what? Stop thinking about it too much and enjoy the fact that you live in a world where you could be listening to a podcast solely about photography for 90 or a hundred minutes a week, you know, um, and enjoy it. Cause I don't know. Life is too short to think too much about it. It is. Uh, one more and then we'll sure. Do we have time for one more? We're over, but we might as well just keep going over. We got, we got last one. Let's do it. Uh, okay. This is from my friend Sinclair. Uh, I was like, is this, is this like sting or share just one name? Sinclair. What's, what's your favorite photo that you've taken? And uh, what photos have had a significant impact on you? Ooh, tough. That's a tough one. Favorite photo that I've taken? My father's hand. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. It's my favorite photo that I've ever taken. Uh, at the, you know, I I was thinking about this the other day actually because, um, and I I when I read this question, and I think that I come down to that picture that I took of Conrad the first time she came to visit me. 
mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is actually in my Type 55. It's the first picture of my Type 55 gallery on my site where she's just sitting on the floor in a black dress. Um, shot on four by five. Uh, I love that picture. And it's funny cause it now it like, I look at it now and it's like, Oh look, it's, you know, it's literally like sort of our first date. Yeah. 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 Know? And now it's like immortalized. So if we're together for years and years and years and decades and decades, I can look back on this as like, Oh, this is the first time, you know, how many people have that? Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And I just, I like the picture both cause I think it's a very pretty picture, but I think it's also, I don't know. It's, it's nice that I have this thing that she and I created together, you know? Sure. Sure. That's a little uh, nostalgic. What is that? Now, was that for the second part to what photos have had a significant impact on you? Ooh, now is that That's, somebody else's photos? Like what, what famous photos or whatever it is have had a significant impact on me? That's, that's too, too numerous many. to mention. Yeah. That's a tough yeah. one. I, I, although, you know, I look at stuff, I look at, um, I look at Arnold Newman portraits. I look at Karsh portraits. I look at those Seliger portraits in the stairwell. I, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I look at some of Annie's stuff. I look at, uh, Carter Besson portraits, the book that, that came out that was really great stuff. Um, uh, so, you know, I, I look at all kinds of stuff and I find it very pleasing in a certain way because I think that they may have captured part a little piece of what I'm trying to capture and what I do, you know, and maybe it's like I can pull Wait, something. They, they have captured what you do. No, you, no, no, no. I'm saying that they, they, they have done certain pictures may have a piece of what I'm trying to do in them. Oh, I see what you're saying. And so saying. by sort of there, there's part of me that kind of feels like if I can just collect all of these little pieces that other people have done, I can put them together in like a big Lego thing to create the thing that I'm trying to do, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if that's techniques or lighting or style or, you yep, know, yep. so it's like, Oh, I, I like the way he did this. And you file that away. You no, know, oh, I like the way this lady did that. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, that gets me closer to the core, you know, going back to the, 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 the earth argument that we made. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I, th- uh, not, not as much photos, but, but the first time I saw, um uh a lot of shepherd fairies stuff in person yeah to see how detailed and how 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 rich his collage work is right because i i saw his stuff for the first time in person at the same time that i was trying to figure out sort of my own process sure and and seeing that was like wow okay that's that's really rich uh dorothy simpson kraus she's another one uh, Bonnie Latka, she's another one. What that, about that old they, painters? Do you, do, like Van Gogh, do anything for you? Um, I, I really love his stuff. Yes, my my favorite two painters are are Fragonard and Boucher. Okay. Um, Boucher, seventeen oh three to seventeen seventy, um, was court painter to Louis, uh, mostly because of his draftsmanship, because of of how how he handled the figure and, and his detail level in, in the figure and, and Fragonard, uh, who was a student of Boucher, uh, for his, his sort of boldness. Uh, they say that, that Fragonard could paint a portrait in less than an hour, uh, which is mind numbing to, to me to paint that kind of work. Um, and wouldn't even sign his full name. He would just sign his name Frago. <laughs> 
I think both you and I need to come up with shortened versions of our name. <laughs> like, like you know, it's no, like no, no, like he would Wado. forever be known as <laughs> yeah, no. For a while, I wanted to change my name to Guacamole. Yes, that's that's uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. Um, who's our who's our photography of the week? This is I I, I came up with something a little different today. All right. Uh, it's, uh, I like it when you come up with stuff uh, different. Uh, this is going to be hard to pronounce because I'm not good with the, with the Vietnamese. The, is that, uh, and my lay and my, and my all one, uh, that seems and my to be is, the f- is yes. Was it, would it, it might be le with what's the little triangle. Uh, over yeah. Because that, I mean, I, there is the whole French thing in with the, with, it's very difficult. Um, she was born in Vietnam and then moved to America. I think she's a, she's a, a professor at Bard College. Okay. Wow. And, um, but. T- wow. Really interesting work. Yeah. Like crazy sort of, uh, um, war photography, but also sort of what's left over from the wars and, and right. how it changes the landscape. And there's this one. Wow. Somewhat. It's really kind of high key too. Yeah. Like she's not, she's not crushing these things with contrast. Wow. But there's this one famous picture of hers, which is in the, uh, I think the 29 palms okay. slash nine. That's the ninth picture here. I'll just give you a thing where she's got like tracers coming up from the ground, like long exposure. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's no bueno. And she's, I think she's shooting. If you look her up on just to Google searches, um, there are a lot of pictures of her with a four by five. Hmm. So, so she's out lugging, lugging a four by five through these combat zones. Right. Wow. Yeah. So it's, you know, this woman and she won a MacArthur grant. Oh, her color work is really good too. It's very austere. Wow. I like this a lot. Something different, right? Yeah. It almost, uh, almost re- reminds me her color stuff reminds me a little bit of, uh, is it Bertinsky? Okay, sure. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, because she's got the, like the mines mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. like shale, like what leftover coal stuff. Wow, this is a good find. Good job. Very different than a lot of the stuff we generally talk about, but I think mm-hmm. that's good. Oh wow, this stuff in small wars. Yeah, you guys are gonna like this. Go. Uh, be sure to click through all the different galleries yeah, well, at the, the show I'll, notes. I'll here. put the show notes. I'll put it all in the show notes. Wow. Um, but. Uh, Definitely somebody different. I love that first picture that comes up when you click on her site where it's like this crazy nothingness river where people are going down with like rowboats. And then there's just all these ads in the background for compact Sanyo Hitachi, like probably yeah, factories yeah. or something that are going on back there, you know? Wow. Uh, wow. Great stuff. Yeah. You like, you like these ones with the explosions, huh? Yeah. I, uh, I have enormous respect for people who put themselves in harm's way for a photograph. Yeah. That's, that's something that I don't have. <laughs> I think they're crazy. <laughs> I don't have the constitution for it, but I am, I'm thankful that there are those who do. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. These, is, this is, this is really good work. Really nice work. Yeah. She's not messing around this lady. Hardcore. Uh, received a BA in 1981, MS in 1985 from Stanford, MFA from Yale in 1993. Uh, wow. Oh, see, this is great. This is great. You know, and this is a woman who, 
you know, I mean, this is the kind of work that is never going to be the thing that's everyone knows about. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she's making photographs because she thinks it's a, the, the subject she's making them of are important. She's making them for aesthetic things. And I, yes, she's a professor and yes, she makes money on prints and I'm sure she does very well. I mean, she has a MacArthur grant. She's making, you know, a lot of money. But I don't. But it doesn't seem like she does it for that. You know what I mean? No, She's, there's she a, there's is not a, a commercial photographer. Right, right, right. The the, the purpose here uh, is paramount. Yeah. Yep. Really, really nice work. Yep. Good. Good stuff. find. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, anything else before we wrap up this very long episode? Uh, yeah, a podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Uh, write in, let us know what you're doing. We love hearing from you and, and all of the questions, uh, came from you guys today. And there were, there were many, many more that didn't make the show. So apologies, maybe next time, yeah. uh, but keep them coming. Uh, after dark is, is the assignment for next week. Um, uh, in the group, if you, uh, if you wouldn't mind writing a review, if you haven't yet head over to iTunes, write a review. It does help people find, uh, the show and uh, uh, if if you have not joined the G plus group or you have friends that you think should be in the G plus group, shoot them a strongly worded email to come join and have some fun with us. Uh, you tweet at uh, Bill Wadman. Yep. Uh, I tweet at Jeffrey Sidoris. Uh, where else? F- uh, Fade and blurred. Find find articles, stories, inspiration there. Bill's blog, uh, BillWadman.com slash blog. Uh, and uh, I think that's it okay I think we have plenty of stuff yeah uh, thank you for listening guys have a great week alright see you next week see ya